everyone. Oh my gosh, Nelson, I was over there about to start crying. My goodness. It is so good to not see you guys. Just kidding, I can't see any of you, but I know, know that I love you. And I wish that you were here with us and I'm looking forward to the day where we can all be gathered again. And I know it's coming soon. Before I get into our message, I am major, major fans of our pastors, Julian and Christina Lowe. They are my favorite people walking the planet. I'm sorry to everybody else, but I just wanted to um, honor them. And, and take, I want you to take a second in the chat right now just to love on them. They have led us extremely well in their first year of being pastors. They've experienced a pandemic, which none of us have experienced probably in our lifetime. Racial injustice at an all-time high. So much that's going on in our city and in our world. And they have navigated it so gracefully. And I have watched as they have relied on Jesus through everything. And so please just take a second and say, we love you. If there's been a moment where you've been blessed by them, just say it in the chat right now. They're going to watch, I'm assuming. I hope so. Um, but we love them. And I, it's just such an honor to be under their leadership. So I just wanted to say that first and foremost, get that out of the way. I want to make sure that's very, very important. With that, the messages that have been coming out with the alliteration, which I've been personally loving, I don't know about you, but it's been helpful for me to remember what the messages are about because I remember Harvest and Healing. It was about healing and the harvest. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it was. And it was about sowing seed. And then Pastor Christina's message about love and liberation and her just telling her story. It was so, so incredible. So there's just been so many messages. But um, I'm going to pick a favorite. And I don't know if that's allowed, but I'm just going to do it. My favorite has been manna and menus. I, all of them have been anointed. All of them have been amazing. But I literally could not feel my legs when Pastor Julian was <laughs> preaching this message. I was sitting right over there and I was watching. I cried for sure, which is not unusual for me, but I was just so baffled at the word that Pastor Julian gave through the Holy Spirit. Obviously, it was very, very clear to our church, and I watched it back um, when I was preparing for this message, and I actually was going to talk about a different passage of scripture, but I figured with manna and menus, I think we need to continue a little bit on the journey of the Israelites in the wilderness. And so, um, Pat, if you have not watched that message, what are you doing? You, what? Why? Go back and watch it. It's amazing. And then you'll know the context for this. Yes. Um, so he talked about Exodus 16, and I'm going to talk about Exodus 32. So it's the same group of people. The Israelites had been brought out of Egypt, and they're in the middle of the wilderness looking to Moses like, what's good? What are we doing? What's, what's the 411? Where's the promised land? We've been delivered. So we're going to pick up in Exodus 32 with the Israelites in the wilderness, starting in verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking, Moses how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said. Make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. This fellow, not our fearless leader, but this fellow who brought us, I just thought that was so funny. What? Um, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. At least, at least they know that much. Uh, so Aaron said, take the gold rings from your ears, the ears of your wives and your sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold and gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. When Aaron took the gold, melted it down, then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. 
Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. Then he announced, tomorrow will be the festival of the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. After this, they celebrated with feasting and drinking and indulged in pagan revelry, which if you didn't know what that was, I didn't either. I looked it up. It means to get lit, essentially, (laughs) to get drunk, to party. That's what that means. The Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. (laughs) I find this so funny. I wasn't going to stop, but I'm going to stop because I think it's hilarious. Imagine being Moses. You're in the presence of God. You've just been delivered from slavery, from Egypt, and you're up with God. And God goes, hey, I'm sorry, real quick. I'm going to have you to go down back to the mountain because your people are tripping. They have built an idol. I would be, I would be so embarrassed if I was Moses. Anyway, <laughs> the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. Your people whom you've brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away, turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have, melt, they have melted down gold and made a calf. They have bowed down and sacrificed to it. And they are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we have, God. This time that um, is ordained by you, that it's a difficult time, but that you are sustaining us, God, that you are teaching us more about who you are, that we are relying on you in more ways than we ever could, God. I pray for my brothers and sisters at home, God. I pray that you are encouraging them, that your spirit is so strong on the inside of them. And God, I just pray that you would use all of my words and that they would be from you, not from my own thinking, not from my own Uh, coming up with some lofty speech, God, but this would truly be your heart and what you want your people to hear. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, So my title, right, because I'm sticking with the alliteration, of course, is Worship and Warfare. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. This is great. This is fun having, like, my friends here. These are literally all my friends. Isn't this cool? Um, Yeah, so worship and warfare. Before we talk about, honestly, I was going to go in this direction of this message of, like, I'm going to talk about worship and the importance of worship and, like, you know, worship is just isn't the first 10 minutes of the service and da-da-da-da. And it's crazy how God will take you on a journey of what you think and transform it into something that you didn't even, you you get checked in the end of it, where you're like, I have something to bring, and you're like, just kidding, I know nothing. That's what this experience was like. Um, Worshiping idols was something growing up. I, You know Indiana Jones, where there's one, um, is is this what you're thinking of too? Yeah, if you Google it right now, just open up another tab, and uh, (laughs) because you can, is um, (laughs) type in the idol, Indiana Jones, and it's this little gold man. It's very adorable in its own right. Um, And that's what I think, (laughs) and that's what I think idols are, if I can be honest. It's just this little gold statue. I mean, in this exact scripture, the gold statue is a golden calf. So every time I read this, I'm like, oh my gosh, why would you worship some, like gold is cool and all, like I have it on my earring, you know, stuff. but I would never like bow down to like an idol that's like a statue. Like, I'm good, so I'm good. (laughs) Israelites, I don't know what was in the air. (laughs) Um, But as I was reading it back, there was was three things specifically that stood out to me in this passage of scripture that's actually extremely applicable to now. Because this can, oftentimes, I'm gonna always say this, I I think we think that this is an ancient text that we read as like a story from like 
millions of years ago, but because it is an extension of our Lord and Savior, it is God, that it is a way, it, it transforms and it is so relevant to every single time in all of the earth. So it's crazy. And this is what stood out to me. First thing that stood out to me in verse one, it says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they were in a season of waiting. We're waiting right now, huh? Feels like that in a lot of ways. I mean, I am at home so many days of the week, I'm going crazy. And I love my house, but I am waiting. There's just this brewing that's happening. And if I could be honest, in the first couple of weeks and months, I was like, this is good. I was telling my roommates, I was like, we're going to get through this and we're going to get better on the other side. And the season of waiting is for a purpose. And then, you know, God is going to deliver, you know, like it's something's going to happen and we're going to be new creations. And I was so encouraged. And now we're in September and I'm like, what's taking so long? God, I thought you were in control. What's taking so long? Is there some Moses up in a mountain somewhere? Because he needs to come down. And if I can be honest, I feel like what's happening in Exodus 32 is happening today. So many of us are taking our jewelry, taking what was given to us, letting it get melted down and something that we worship. How often something that God gave you your own possession, your own belongings have you put before the Lord? How often has that happened? I know it's happened to me. Going back to waiting, this year, at the beginning of the year, Pastor Julian was teaching um, messages about the lifestyle of Jesus. And in one of his messages, I can't remember which one, I'm so sorry. Um, but he talked about being dependent on the Lord. And I remember where I was, I was sitting in the balcony, and I was watching and I was like, Dependent. I kind of like that word. It's kind of cute. Like, that'll be like my word of the year. You know, like Christian world. We're like, it's our word of the year. (laughs) And honestly, like, I don't really subscribe to that normally. I think I did in like 2014 when I did the internship program here. Um, But I was like, dependent. That feels like I need to actually hang on to that word. And um, what's crazy is my friend Olivia, during Legacy Nights, she um, sent me a voice memo and it was incredible. It was like eight minutes long and it was super prophetic. And in the voice memo, memo, it says, I think that what I'm picking up is that you want to be more dependent on the Lord. And God says, he's going to show you how to do that. And I went, what? Wow. Okay. And I was crying, of course, because I was like, how did you know dependent is my like word of the year, even though I never pick a word of the year? Why did I pick a word of the year? And I have realized during this time that in this season of waiting that we've been in, dependency is key. What are we depending on? Because the Israelites in Exodus 32 were not depending on Moses. They called him the fellow, this fellow. They had no faith in him. And even when I was reading it just now, there was probably so many of them that they probably all didn't know what Moses had done for them. Like Moses, let me just remind you really quick. They were in slavery. There was plagues. They walked, they, they saw all kinds of things, gnats, toads, blood, red sea, all kinds of, you can read it. You can watch, um, Prince of Egypt, thank you so much. That's what I watched a lot as a kid. It's actually a great movie if you have kids. Um, It really paints a picture. Um, 
they had seen every single miracle that God could, some of the greatest miracles in the history of Christianity. And they still chose to worship what they had. Out of all of it. Sometimes I think, oh, the reason why people don't worship God is because they just don't know. They just don't know. They haven't had like an experience where like God has touched their life. And if they would just like have this experience, then they would get it. It's not true. Instead of waiting, they made a God out of the blessing that God gave them. How often do we do that? And I realized, oh, I've done some idol worship. I haven't known it. I haven't been cognizant and even repentant. But I've worshipped the stuff that I've produced. I've worshipped moments that I've had that I felt like I've shined. I've worshipped the things that God has given me. I've worshipped people. And there has been times, it's so funny, at the beginning of this year, this year has been crazy. The beginning of this year, I remember God telling me, you need to hold people loosely. And I felt like it was preparation. Nothing has happened. (laughs) But I, I feel like that was a warning. You value people more than you value me. It's so funny. I feel like out of all of the people in this scripture, so, so I mentioned the two things that stood out to me. One was how long, right? Number two was they took the gold rings from the ears of their wives and sons and daughters and made it a golden calf. They melted it down. And the third thing was Aaron, who was supposed to be their leader while Moses was away, saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf. He's people pleasing. He knew. He knew there was no, he was the one who melted it down. But he saw how excited people were. He saw, okay, great, they've been discouraged. So let me just pull, let's pull some resources together and let's get people excited again. Let's get people amped up. But that's not what God's asking from us right now. And I have done that. I don't know about you, but I have done that. I have people pleased. I've said yes when I should have said no. I have appeased when I should have not. Sometimes we serve God while building what other people worship. Are you doing that right now? Are you saying you're serving God, but when in actuality, people are not also getting pointed to the Lord, they're getting pointed to you? Are you building building your empire? Are you building God's kingdom? What are you building? Another thing about this scripture and about people-pleasing is that clearly God's will wasn't stimulating to them. They weren't excited about the waiting. Waiting is hard to be excited about. And it's crazy because we are made up of spirit, body, soul, and spirit, right? The spirit is the most connected with the Lord. Our body is like our literal, literal body. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, And the ways of the Lord is not stimulating to our body. It's stimulating to our spirit. But I don't think the Israelites during this time were tapping into their spirit. They were tired and hungry. And they had run out of everything. They were relying on the manna. What's crazy about this is in Exodus 12, right? So the gold rings and the things that they were wearing actually came from Egypt. 
from when they left. And we were talking about, you know, Pastor Julian was talking about manna and menus. And in Exodus 12, it says, The Israelites took their bread, dough, before yeast was added. They wrapped their kneading boards in their cloaks and carried them, across, carried them on their shoulders. And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. So all of this was from the Egyptians. And I wonder what would have happened in that moment if they actually still had their food. Because their food had been taken from them. They couldn't worship that anymore. They had to rely on the manna. And so literally the last thing that they had received from their previous season, they chose to worship over the person who had delivered them. Your idol, whatever that is, I hope you're thinking of some (laughs) during this time, um, your idol will always let you down. Always. And you probably experienced it and didn't know it. And you're like, oh, why is this happening to me? How many times? We do that all the time as Christians. Oh, the enemy! The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy! And we're out here worshiping other people. We're worshiping our stuff. It says in Isaiah 57, 13, let's see if your idols can save you when you cry for them for help. (laughs) The Lord is such a savage sometimes. It's so good. Why, a puff of wind can knock them down. If you just breathe on them, they fall over. But whoever trusts in me will inherit the land and possess my holy mountain. Don't let your idol be the thing that you're standing on. Let that go. The number one problem in all of Christianity is idolatry, I believe. And that's why I think it's listed in the... the, Ten Commandments, and it's over and over and over again. If you Google it, there's just, please. He, honestly, sometimes God, I think, brings it up just because we don't listen over and over and over again, the same concept. Don't worship anybody else. Don't worship anybody else. Don't worship anybody else. And we still do it. It's fun. It's a great time as a, as a human being. Um, but when he mentions it in Exodus 32, it says, uh, in verse 7, it says, The Lord told Moses, Quick, go ahead down the mountain. Your people whom you have brought to the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Verse 8, How quickly they have turned away from the way I have commanded them to live. And the reason why he's saying that is because this was in chapter 32. In chapter 20, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. Twelve chapters earlier. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. 12 chapters later, they're melting stuff down. How quickly we stray. How quickly. In chapter... That's not chapter 20. That's a different chapter, but uh, it's fine. Um, 
as, as it continued in chapter 32, that's the one it is. I memorized it. It's all up here. It's all up here, guys. Um, <laughs> in Exodus 32, it actually says, continuing on from the first scripture that I brought up, finally, when Moses comes down off the mountain, right? So he's up with God and he's like, gosh, I have to go talk to these Israelites. They're tripping. So he comes back down. It says, finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? He goes to Aaron. Aaron says, don't get so upset, my Lord. (laughs) You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make gods who will lead us. We don't know what, what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I just simply threw it into the fire and out came this golden calf. I don't know what happened. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance at the camp and shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all of the Levites gathered around him. So it wasn't everybody, just the Levites. Moses, this is where it gets a little intense. Bear with me. Moses told them, this is what, buckle up. Man, I forgot to say it. Well, that's my catchphrase, buckle up, guys. Here, we, well, here it is, buckle up. People are about to die. Uh, Moses told them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Each of you take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers and sisters and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' Moses's command and about 3,000 people died that day. All of Israel's consequences isn't in their drifting, but in their refusal to come home. It wasn't that they drifted is that they refused when Moses said, who stands for the Lord? So you might think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that like, God wanted them all to die. They refused to believe in Jesus, or in, in the Lord at that time. Jesus wasn't there quite yet. In Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, it says, the, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And many of you will have the power to understand as all people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness, with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. So if they refused to come home, if they refused to come back to Moses, it says in Ephesians that Christ will make a home in our heart which is beautiful. But what's crazy is this was in Ephesians, which is after Jesus' death. But in Matthew 8, Jesus actually said, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to even lay his head. So in Matthew, there was no home for Jesus. He said it. He told it to us. Christ didn't have a home until he died. He made a home when he died for our sins. Our heart is where our sin is stored. And so he came and he died so that he could make a home in our hearts. And I think a lot of times we refuse God and he's inside of us. We don't, we don't worship who we're connected to. We are designed to worship. I don't know if you know that. We are actually, the, the makeup of our body is, to, is designed to, work up, to worship something. And that's what that 
place in our heart is, that home that Jesus is supposed to live in. It needs to become up, it needs to be filled with something. Is it filled with sin or is it filled with Christ? So I'm talking about idol worship, and you're probably like, this, is, this isn't even about worship. It was worship and warfare. What happened? Let me tell you what true worship is. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. This is true worship. I really thought worship was like, you know, he's just like there, and like you just gotta like trust him. And like it just was wasn't deep at all. And as I was reeling, reading this, we have to give of our bodies to God. And that is a daily thing. Daily. That is what true worship is. It's waking up every morning and saying, God, I don't know, but you know. Isn't that crazy what's happening during this time? How you want it, literally any facts. that I checked earlier today how many cases of the coronavirus had happened today. And I was like, okay, good, they're going down. We're putting our faith in anything that we can grasp on. And have you noticed he's taken everything away that we can try to grasp on? Everything. We're here to worship something and we're choosing everything else other than him. And I'm realizing how difficult this is. This is the thing that's stopping us. And this is, this is where the warfare is. The warfare is inside of us. There's a turmoil that's happening. There's a turmoil of choosing what's of the world and what is of Jesus. And everything is different than him. Everything that we see on our Instagram, everything that we, even in the people that we love, everything is different than the way that we're supposed to, supposed to live. In Romans 8, or 7, 18 through 25, it says, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, this is almost like a riddle. If I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power that makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So do you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. There is a war over who we are and how we think. Are you battling one of those wars right now? I know I am. We are consumed with finding out who we are and what we think, and we are missing God's will in all of it. We don't worship daily. We don't die daily. We worship on Sundays, maybe, if we want to turn it on. We don't do this daily. 
We don't wake up and in every moment and in every circumstance where sin comes and arises, do we choose Jesus or do we choose sin? And I'm not trying to be condemning. I know it's really difficult. I know that this is really tough. I'm preaching to myself right now because it's so much easier to choose sin because back to what I was talking about earlier with the flesh, it's the more natural thing to do. It's the more natural thing to call a friend and be like, can you believe what happened? I just, as opposed to praying for the person that you're upset about. It's the more natural thing to do. I believe that if we address the warfare that's within us, that distracts us, we will be walking in the full life that Jesus has called us to. It says it over and over again. You will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, it says in Ephesians. Do you feel complete and full of life? I don't. I want to be really badly. And I'm realizing if I don't do this daily, if I don't wake up every day, especially in this season, saying, God, I don't know, but you know. And you say that you're going to make my path straight. You say that you're going to lead me. And guess what he has? I can't believe I'm standing up here. I am 23 years old. I have no right. I did not go to Bible college. I did not do anything to earn to be speaking to you today. And God, for whatever reason, I kept my head down and I said, this is the step that you have me on. And I'm just going to be obedient in this. And I'm going to trust in this. And I haven't always succeeded. But once I'm on this step and God's like, okay, we're here. We're here. We're here. And then I take another step. And then it takes me a minute to look up. And then I go, okay, yeah, yeah, we're here. We're here. We're here. And I want to go this way sometimes. Or I want to go this way sometimes. But we're here. God, I worship you. I look to you, my Savior, my King. I look to you. I don't look at what's going on around me. I love what's going on around me in terms of people, but I look to you and I take another step. And that has been such an amazing ride that I get to be here today and that my life is the way that it is. If you ever want to go to coffee later, let me know because I will tell you my upbringing. I will tell you all of the stories I didn't have it. I didn't have it good. I, I mean, I kind of grew up in this church, but God has been faithful to me. He came to me when I was a little girl and said, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. And I had every right to worry. And he said, don't worry. I remember opening up a children's Bible when I was eight years old and I came to the scripture, do not worry for God takes care. Even the birds in the air he takes care of. Why won't he take care of you? So let me pray for you. And then we're going to worship again. And really worship, guys. Stand to your feet. I know singing is like an expression of worship that you might not be comfortable with. But it's a physical action of something that's happening mentally. I think that's why God asks us to do it. Because we are singing And we are praising with our hands, telling our bodies, hey, this is what we believe. This is it. This is where we are. I look to you. So God, I pray for everybody watching. I thank you for my church family, God. I thank you that you have sustained us through this time, God. I thank you that you have designed us to worship, that there is an emptiness within us if we don't do it. Because you know why it has us coming back to you every time. 
And so if we haven't worshiped in a while, or if we never really knew what worship meant, and we've worshiped other things in our lives, God, I pray that you would check us every time, that you would remind us, that you would bring us back to you, God. And in this moment, I pray that you would speak to your children in every single home, in every single car, in every single anywhere, God, as we worship you, Lord.